Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. What an awesome presence of God. Amen. How many of you enjoyed the presence of God this morning? Amen. Thank you, uh, everyone, for joining uh, Arise today. Thank you for choosing Arise to experience God's presence. First of all, I would like to thank each one of you for coming. And also, I would like to thank uh, those who are watching us uh, online. I saw that while I was sitting there, there are people watching from different countries, from Nepal, India, and some other places. May God bless you. Come on, church. Just uh, give a greetings to our online viewers. You know, I'm so excited today because this is a Pentecost Sunday. Amen? Amen. Yes. So, uh, first of all, I would like to introduce myself. If you have never met me before, my name is Pratyash Thomas. And I have the privilege of being here at Arise as the Director of Community Engagement. And it's an awesome place to minister the Word of God and reach out to the people. And if you find it very difficult to call my name Pratyash, you can call me Hope because that's the meaning of my name. <laughs> okay, okay. So, before I enter into my message, I would like to celebrate because that's, the, uh, that's what we do here at Arise. So every Sunday we celebrate things. So last Sunday, I mean last Monday, we had an amazing time, amazing Memorial Day picnic. Uh, and how many of you were there? Can I see your hands? Wow. That was awesome. There were more than 500 people uh, and uh, we really loved that. We really loved to be a part of that. And I could meet a lot of faces there. It was an awesome time. And uh, I, I want to thank each one of you for joining uh, on that day and also here at Arise we value relationships so thank you so much and uh, we celebrate you and uh, as I said today today is a Pentecost Sunday and uh, I am so happy and I'm so excited I'm so privileged to be a Pentecostal pastor as a minister as a preacher you know uh, I love this day because you know, this, is, this was the day when the Holy Spirit came in power in upper room. Yes. Amen? Yes. There were 120 people, they were hiding and they were just praying and waiting for the promise of God. And those 120 people, the normal people, you know, they became history makers. They became history makers. That move of God that began with 120 people have crossed the nations. It came to India. It came to United States. It's still moving. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Praise the Lord. Yes. Yes. The move of God is still happening. I believe uh, the, the word says in the end time, I will pour out my spirit on every flesh. Amen. I believe that this is the end time. These are the days where God is about to release the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon every flesh. I remember once I was in India, I saw a Hindu man who came to the Sunday service. And man, he had no experience before. He was touched by the Holy Ghost. He fell down and after a few minutes, he began to speak in tongues. Because this is the end time. And today we are celebrating that experience that happened in the upper room. And I believe God is about to do greater things. 
Amen. When the Spirit of the Lord came on that upper room, Peter stood up and he began to preach the gospel with power and with authority. We see that in the first century church, signs and miracles were not supernatural, they were normal, they were natural. And I believe here at Arise, we believe that signs, wonders, and miracles are going to be very normal for us. Because that's what the Holy Spirit works for. That's how the Lord works in our life. When Lord comes into our life, when the power of Holy Spirit comes to our life, supernatural becomes natural in your life. And I believe God is about to do that in this day. And I'm so excited for tonight. I encourage you all, bring your friends, uh, you know, bring everyone, post it on social media. Let everyone come tonight. Let's worship the Lord and experience God's presence. Amen. So today, I have the privilege of sharing uh, the word and uh, the title of my message is Waiting Room to Upper Room. Amen. So I, I want to start my message with a question, with a question. And the question is, how many of you have waited for something? Can I see your hands? Yes. How many of you have waited for someone? Leave something. How many of you have waited for someone? Yes. And let me make it more clear. How many of you have waited for someone who's sitting nearby you? Yes. <laughs> Every time I go out, I wait in my car. I mean, that's happening. <laughs> and my wife is here. And uh, let me tell you, uh, along with that, how many of you have waited upon God? Yes, yes. We all have that experience of waiting upon God. You know what? I was just meditating and preparing this message. Something very funny, you know, a thought came into my heart. Usually I don't share jokes in the pulpit. You know, that's the Indian way. We don't share much jokes. We are very serious. But today, you know, I'm in, I'm in the United States, so I have to change a little bit. So uh, I don't know whether this will work out. Maybe it might not be a joke for you, but for me it was a joke. Do you know that God owns everything on this earth? How many of you agree with me? But there is one thing that God doesn't own, and that's a watch. God doesn't own a watch. <laughs> Isn't it funny? He owns the whole universe, but he doesn't have a watch, and I have a watch. <laughs> but, but there is something very amazing. He doesn't own the watch, but he controls the time. Amen. Today, this is a prophetic word for somebody. God controls the time. He controls the season. He controls everything. And the amazing part is that even though God doesn't own a watch, he's never too late or he's never too early. Amen. Isn't it amazing? We have two, three watches. We have our mobile phone, we have you know, Amazon, everything, but still we are late. But God doesn't have a watch. He doesn't have you know, Apple phone. He doesn't have any gadgets, but there is one thing. He is never too late. He's never too early. Today on this Pentecost day, let me prophesy over this to you. God is never too late. He is never too early. If you are waiting for something today, he is never too late. He is right at his time because he controls the time. He controls the seasons. Today I'm here to prophesy over your life that he controls your season. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Man, I get so excited. This is the Indian way of preaching. I confess that. If you don't like it, please forgive me for the next one hour. I'm sorry, next 40 minutes. Yes. I'm not yelling at you, you know. Don't miss it. I'm excited. You know why I'm excited? Because God shows me. God shows me. He owns my timing. He controls my life. And let me share this. Waiting is not easy. It's, 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 it's the hardest thing that we can ever experience in our life. If there is one thing that we all hate together, it's like waiting. We never like to wait. Man, I lose my anointing when I go to, go to Sam's Club, you know, that, uh, what do you call it, the gas filling area. Man, I lose my anointing because it's very difficult. So my wife always reminds me, you know, make sure that you go to a rice. A rice is very nearby <laughs> because we don't like waiting. We hate to wait. But let me tell you something. As I was just uh, uh, reading, I found an article where a doctor named Larry Dose, and a man from Dallas, it's, it says internist, he coined a new term called hurry sickness. What is that? Hurry sickness. And uh, which, which he defines like this, an increased sensitivity to the passage of time. So he's giving us, a, a, you know, he, he's uh, suggesting an experiment. Don't try it right now. <laughs> so the experiment is like, you need a partner, you need a friend along with you, and tell your friend to blindfold your eyes, and uh, tell the person to check uh, the second hand of your watch. And it, he says that most of the people, uh, as they are sitting and waiting with uh, eyes blindfolded, they cannot even wait for 15 seconds. Can you imagine that? Not 15 minutes, not even one minute, 15 seconds. Because we live in a world right now where things are very fast and we, not, we, we, we always demand things to come to you very quickly. But this is one thing that I learned from the scripture. The Bible always speaks like this, wait upon the Lord. Rest, do not be in a hurry, wait upon the Lord. So today, we are going to see what happened in the life of disciples. We all know what happened on the day of resurrection. Jesus resurrected from there. And, you know, we see in the book of uh, Acts chapter 1, in the first passage, that Jesus spent almost 40 days with the disciples. He preached, he, he, he revealed himself to them. Remember, the disciples were very much afraid. They were fearful. They were not in a comfortable situation. They were going through a lot of troubles. They were going through a lot of accusations. There was a lot of rumors that, I mean, these disciples, they even stole the body of Jesus. So they were going through a lot of accusation. I mean, Peter, I'm Peter and some other disciples, they were going through a lot of shame and guilt. They knew that Jesus was resurrected, but there was a lot of things that they were going through. And some of them, they even left the place. They moved apart. But this is something very interesting. Even though these disciples, they moved away from the Lord and they were going through shame and pain and all kinds of trouble. This is one thing that I love. Jesus revealed himself to them. 
Can I tell you something? Even if you try to run away from the Lord, the Lord will come behind you. Hallelujah. I speak about a Jesus. I preach about a Jesus who loves you unconditionally. He is faithful. His faithfulness cannot be changed. Today, even if you are trying to run away from his presence, even if you don't want to be in God's presence, even sometimes somebody pushed you to come here, but let me tell you, God loves you so much. They were going through a lot of troubles and pains. And they, were, they isolated themselves from others. They were sitting together. There were moments where while all of the disciples were sitting together, Jesus revealed himself to them. That means they were isolating themselves. They were going through some kind of silence. But this is what I want to share with you. Silence around is the right atmosphere for a personal and intimate encounter with Jesus. Amen. The silence and the moments of darkness, the moments of pain, the moments of, uh, you know, depression or whatever that you're going through right now. Let me tell you, the silence that you're going through right now is the, bless, is the best place to encounter Lord Jesus face to face. I'm sharing that because that happened in my life. There was days in my life where I have to go to, where I had to go to a lot of uh, pain, where I had to go to a lot of silence. There were a lot of rejections, and I didn't have a lot of friends in my life. But let me tell you something. During that time of silence, Jesus appeared to me. He changed my life. That happened with the disciples too, as they were sitting together, as they were going through that kind of difficult times, Jesus revealed himself to you. And we all know what happened later. That 40 days, he revealed himself. He taught them about the kingdom of God and uh, he gave them instructions. But then something happened. He ascended to the heavens. And before he ascended to the heavens, he said something. So we all have a kind of misunderstanding or sometimes we get it wrong. We all think that the last word that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven was go, right? But the truth is, it's not like that. Yes, he, 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 he gave the instructions to the disciples for a great commission. He anointed them. He appointed them to go and preach the gospel. But the last word that he said before he ascended to heaven was not go. He said, wait. So this is what I want to share with you. You have to go, but before you go, you must wait. You must wait. Let's turn our attention to a verse from the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 4. I'll be reading that for you. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. It says like this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Remember, Jesus is telling the disciples, he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Let me read another verse for you that's from the book of Luke chapter 24 verse 49. It says, I'm going to send to you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. See, in both these scriptures, this is what we see. Repeatedly, the Lord says, Jesus says, wait. 
in Jerusalem. Stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from Most High. Let me tell you, before God does something special in your life, before God does something unique in your life, He always calls you to come into His presence and wait upon the Lord. But we as human beings, we don't like waiting because we always want to work. We always want things to happen very fast. But today I'm here to tell you, there is a season of waiting in our life. Before you expect God to do something in your life, he wants your attention. He needs your focus. There is something that he wants to talk to you. There is something that he wants to release upon your life. To receive, you must wait. You must wait. And let me tell you, this is what I learned from my life. While we are waiting, God is still working. Oh, you didn't get that. Let me tell you again. If, while we are waiting, remember, God is working. Because Jesus said, my father is always at his work. He is always working. He is always working for you. He is always active. He is always there to work for you. I would say that he's never taking rest. He's very busy. Even when you are taking a nap, even when you are tired, even when you are depressed, even when you go through times of trouble, even when you, when you don't pray, even God is still working for you. He turns everything into good. Amen. Even in the season of waiting, God is still working. Because waiting is not an inactivity. Waiting is actually resting in the presence of the Lord, waiting for Him to work on your behalf. When you wait, you're actually taking rest. Amen? How many of you like to take rest? Man, I love to take rest. <laughs> but many of us, we forget that when we wait upon the Lord, He's actually giving us peace. He's giving us rest. He, he's giving us prescription for our day-to-day -day life you know the problems that we are going through so I would like to call like this our God is the great physician when you are in his waiting room he knows he knows what ails you better than you do and he has a prescription to fix it yes yes you know when you go to a doctor's office you have to wait for some time you don't get an entry right then but when you wait, you know that you are going to be called. You know that, you know, that the person that you are going to meet up with is going to give you a prescription for the problem that you are facing. And let me tell you today, let me just encourage you today that you are at the right place. You are at the right place. When you spend time in God's presence, when you wait upon Him, maybe you are crying, maybe you are weeping, but you need to know one thing. There is someone inside you who is working everything into good. The problems that you are going through, the brokenness that you are going through, the rejection that you are going through, the family issues that you are facing right now, the marriage problems that you are facing right now. You might be thinking, oh, I cannot control this. I'm not able to control 
all this. Let me quit. Let me come out of it. But God speaks to you today. Wait until something happens. Wait until something happens because he works on your behalf. Even when you are inactive, he is not inactive. He is working for you. Can I hear an amen for that? Hallelujah. I love to speak about the season of waiting. Because most of you see me here preaching on this pulpit, on this platform. But there was years of waiting in my life. I, met for, I, I, I had my first encounter with the Lord when I was 16 years old. That changed my life. I was going through depression and pain and a lot of, lot of troubles. If you meet me about 10, 15 years before, I will never speak to you. <laughs> I'll just hide somewhere. I'll come to the service. I'll go back. That was me. But one day, Jesus encountered my life. He came to me. He spoke to me face to face for three hours. That changed my life. So after my encounter, I always wanted to do something for the Lord. But, you know, my father, he, he, he's, uh, he's still a minister. He's in India doing ministry. So in our, in, uh, during our childhood, like during his initial days of ministry, went through a lot of brokenness. We went through a lot of uh, troubles. So I always thought in my heart, like, yes, I have a call to do. But before I step out into ministry, first I'll make money for my ministry. I will, I will work. I will do something. I'll make sure that, uh, you know... <laughs> I have everything before I do that. And I also, I took Jesus' life as an example because Jesus did his ministry at the age of 30, right? So whenever people come and tell me, you know, brother, you have a call, I'm like, yeah, I know I have a call, but I will wait for 30 years. You know, once I turn 30, I will do the ministry because that's the example that Jesus has shown me. That's, that was me. But I remember after my high school, all of my friends were looking for the next uh, degree and uh, I was waiting in God's presence. I was just praying and I was looking forward, you know, to, to get an admission for engineering. And that was my desire and I, I prayed and I waited and the Lord began to speak to me. Something happened in that, in that time and God began to speak to me one night. He said, son, my plans are always higher than your plans. My plans are always above your plan. So I want you to wait for my next plan. I want you to wait. So I'm like, God, what do you mean by that? He said, just wait at your, your own house. Like, I mean, what I should do? He said, like, don't go for anything. Just sit at your house. Start reading the Bible. And that one whole year, man, it's so difficult. It's not like American culture. The Indian culture is different. We ask a lot of questions. <laughs> when you meet people, like you ask a lot of questions. You ask the whole details about what happened in your whole life. That's the Indian culture. I'm changing. I'm not asking you anything. Don't worry. <laughs> so, so people ask a lot of questions. Man, why do you wait? Why do you wait? Why don't you go for studies? Why don't you go for education? A lot of questions. And I knew one thing. I heard the voice from the Lord. Wait. And I waited for a year. 
And then later, finally, I, I, I took an admission for my bachelor's degree next year, and I joined, and I completed. People were excited. Oh, my God. Finally, he's restored. He's normal. So I, I went back to my college. I completed my bachelor's with honors, and, like, there was a huge pressure on me to go for my master's. And there, I, I got a scholarship offer from, a, uh, from, from the college where I, I took my bachelor's. And then again, the Lord spoke to me wait. And I'm like, God, I'm confused. You told me to wait for one year, and I, I didn't wait, and now you're asking me to wait another year? He said, yes, you have to wait. And not only he asked me to wait, he asked me to go under a prophet. He asked me to, you know, call him like, uh, be a, under his mentoring. I spent another one whole year under that prophet. I remember those days. I see all of my friends, they have finished their degree, they have working, they are making money. They are like, brother, do you want to come and celebrate? I'm like, no, I'm going to this place. I'm going to be under a prophet. But I remember I used to be, uh, you know, a cleaning boy at his house. I used to clean the house and I used to clean their chapel. That was my ministry. I didn't start as a preacher, even though, even now, I don't know how to preach. Remember, God took me through that season. God took me to that season. And one day, this prophet called me into his house, into his uh, personal room, and he asked me, son, do you want to leave this place? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I felt like running away from this place, but now I'm not. And he began to share his heart with me. And he prayed for me. And after four months staying with him at his place, one day he called me and he said, I'm going to send you back. Let me tell you, after that two years of waiting, three months later, I started my first international ministry. The next three years, I preached gospel to 26 countries. I know a God. I know a God who prepares you in the season of waiting. I know a God who prepares you in your season of waiting. So I would like to say that your season of waiting is a time of preparation. He prepares your heart. He prepares your, your, your character. Because God is very much interested in our heart and our life more than what we do for Him. That's very important. Some of you, you want, to do th you want things to happen very quickly. But the reason God is taking time is not because he doesn't love you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. And he wants to do something unique in your life. He wants to do something special in your life. But for that special to happen, you need to wait upon the Lord. See here... In the life of disciples, this is what the Lord spoke to them. They, you know, the, the Jesus is telling them, wait at Jerusalem. Wait in the city until you receive the power. And I was asking the Lord, why you want them to wait? Because Jesus said something along with waiting. He said, wait for the promise. That means when you wait, 
That means when you wait, you're not just waiting. You are waiting for the promise to be released in your life. There is some of you who have been waiting for a long time. There is some of you who have been waiting in your marriage. You have been waiting in your personal life. You are waiting for God to do something. You have almost decided to quit from that. You have almost decided to run out of that. But God speaks to you today. Wait for some more time. Wait for some more time. It's not over until he says it is over. Let me tell you again. It is not over until he says it is over. You need to wait for some more time. It's easy for us to quit. But God always wants us to wait upon him. Jesus said wait for the promise. Wait for the promise. I felt in my heart while I was preparing and praying, the Lord is speaking. The Lord spoke to me that to, to, to some of you, the Lord is saying, do not quit your marriage. Do not quit your business. Do not quit that course, that degree that you are doing right now. You might be thinking that's not the right thing to do. You might be thinking, oh, this is not the right place to be in. But God speaks to you today. Wait until something happens. Because God always wants us to wait. And when you wait, you need to know that there is a promise awaiting for you. There is a promise waiting for you. Let me move to the second part of my message. The first instruction was to wait. And when you go to the next part of that verse, it says very specific. It says, wait in Jerusalem. Wait in that city. So I was just thinking, God, why did you specifically mention this place, Jerusalem? Do you know that during the whole ministry, three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, Jerusalem was not the center of his ministry. He didn't, he, he, that was not his ministry center. Yes, of course, he has passed through Jerusalem for a couple of times, almost four times in the gospel. You can find that during the three and a half years, he came to Jerusalem. But... Jerusalem not was, the, was not the center of his ministry. But then, why did Jesus specifically mention to the disciples to wait in Jerusalem? This is very important. To know the details, to know the heart of God. I was just going through that passage and the incidents that happened in the life of Jesus from the day of uh, uh, crucifixion and all those things that happened. You know, the day Jesus was caught by the people and things that happened after that. Do you know all those things that happened? The crucifixion and all the, you know, um, all those things that happened in the life of disciples where they ran away from Jesus and they denied and all those things happened at Jerusalem. So, Jerusalem was actually the place where Jesus was publicly humiliated and crucified do you know jerusalem was a place where those people who you know who who literally bet him and you know pierced his body and uh, did a lot of things to jesus you know they they kept questioning his anointing and authority they spit on his face and they asked him to prophesy. This was the place where people questioned him. This was the place where people questioned his authority. Amen. This is the same Jerusalem. And if you ask disciples, Jerusalem is not a comfortable place for them. It's not a, it's not a right place for them to be in because this was the place where they faced a lot of criticism, a lot of accusation. Because 
Once they found, once the people, uh, you know, the Jewish people found that the body of Jesus was missing, they accused the disciples for stealing the body. This was the place where they were accused. And more than that, this was the place where Je uh, the disciples ran away from Jesus, including Peter. The one who said, I will never leave you. I'm ready to die for you. The same Peter ran away from Jesus. This was the same Jerusalem where Peter denied Jesus three times. He cursed him. He said, I don't know this man. And now Jesus is telling them, wait in that same Jerusalem. Let me tell you something prophetically. There are... There are places in our life too where we have denied the Lord. There are places in our life where we have ran away from the Lord. There are places where we are humiliated and we have cried. We have broken. You know, we have been desperate. Amen. And we always feel like running away out of that situation. But God is speaking to you today. Wait in that Jerusalem. Wait at the same Jerusalem where you are broken. Wait at the same place where you became naked, where, you, where people questioned you, where people, you know, started speaking in accusation against you. At the same Jerusalem, Jesus is telling, wait. Are you broken? Are you desperate? Are you accused? Do you feel lonely? Have you run away from the Lord? God wants to honor you. God wants to restore you. At the same Jerusalem. The same Jerusalem. I want to prophesy over somebody today. The same place where you were broken. God is about to do a breakthrough. I want to say like this. Your breaking point is about to be your breakthrough point. The place where you are broken. The place where you are humiliated. The place you have cried and weeped. And you have sobbed for years. Where you have felt like God I'm not going to see anything fruitful here. I'm not going to see anything new here. But God says at the same Jerusalem at the same Jerusalem wait for the promise of God wait for something to happen the same place you were humiliated the same place you were broken and you are full of shame God speaks to you this morning I'm going to honor you I'm going to pour my anointing I'm going to release my spirit upon you I'm going to release my promise upon you because when the promise of the Lord comes into your life your life will be changed yes there are Jerusalems in our life too there are Jerusalems in our life let me share my testimony this is very amazing and a year ago that was the time we moved to I moved to United States and uh, God placed us here in this beautiful church arise I'm so happy to be here after the first months of our, uh, our moving, uh, you know, we had a miscarriage in, uh, after the first year of our marriage. We went through a lot of brokenness. We went through a lot of pain. And remember, after coming here, we went through a doctor for a doctor's appointment. And the doctor gave us a result. She gave a report that says that never in our life we are able to have a child was last year at the same time. 
She's one of the best doctors here in Tampa, Florida. I, want to, I don't want to share her name. You know, she told us to go for something else. She, she mentioned to us that it's impossible for you to have a child. I remember my wife coming down the stairs and she told me, this is what the doctor said. She says, it's impossible. So right at that moment when she said this and the doctor asked us, both of us, to go for another appointment, and right at that moment, I remember at the St. Joseph Women's Hospital, I heard a voice from the Lord. The Lord spoke to me. When, 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 when people say impossible, remember, I am possible. I can make it possible. Amen. I came back, and I came back, and I told my wife, I feel like, Ashley, our, our marriage is a testimony, and I think our child is also going to be a testimony. I think, I think God is about to do something miracle. God is about to do something supernatural. So to do the supernatural, in the natural, everything has to be impossible. But when everything becomes impossible, that's the point that Jesus will begin to work through your life. Amen. Remember, we stepped out of the hospital. We were completely broken. There were days we came to this church, we used to cry, we used to cry and cry. We used to be broken, man. Nobody knows that. Everyone calls me hope, but deep in my heart, I had no hope. I was crying and I was asking the Lord, Lord, why did this happen? I remember the Lord kept speaking to us, I'm preparing you. And I kept telling my wife, God is preparing you. There was one day she was very, you know, angry with me. She's like, stop telling God to prepare us. You know, it's time. <laughs> and I remember during this time, God even, God even gave us this uh, call to pray for others. To pray for those people who are going through that same pain. Let me tell you, my God is an amazing God. He's a wonder-working God. I went through that season of pain. I went through that season of brokenness and I remember last year, September 11, that's her birthday. And while I was writing a card, the Lord spoke to me. Write it down in that card. I'm like, God, I can prophesy to anybody, but it's difficult. I'm going to face her every day. So God said, no, you need to write this down. Tell her, three months from now, I'm going to do something miraculous in your life. Let me tell you, my God is awesome. My God is awesome. He is a God of breakthroughs. I went through pain. I went through brokenness. But I know something. He turns my sorrow into dancing. He turns my pains into testimony. He turns my cries, my tears into testimonies. And if God willing, we are going to have our first baby this week. Can you imagine? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, this morning I told my wife, wait, don't give birth to my baby right now. <laughs> this message is for you, wait. But let me tell you something, there is a season of waiting that you have to go through. There is a Jerusalem in our life. Place, we are completely broken. Can I tell you something? The same doctor who said it's impossible, she's still our doctor. <laughs> You know, last Friday she cried and she said, I've never seen something amazing like this. She cried. And I know one thing, the same Jerusalem 
where you are broken. The same Jerusalem where you have heard everything negative, where, where you have seen the doctor's negative report. I want to tell you something. God is about to do something new in your life. I know God has called me as a prophet. Today I am prophesying of, over your life that God is about to do something new in your life. God is about to do a breakthrough in your life. If you have been going through that season of darkness, if you have been going through that season of pain and tears, here the Lord is speaking to you on this Pentecost Sunday. I am a God of breakthrough. I am a God of breakthrough. I will shake things around for you. I will do the impossible possible for you. Come on church, worship the Lord today. He is about to do the impossible possible. He is about to do something supernatural because there is a promise. Oh my God, hallelujah. He is a promise maker. He is a miracle working God. He is an amazing God. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. I believe in a God who makes the impossible possible. I believe in a God who makes miracle out of nothing. If he can turn water into wine, he can turn your pains into a great testimony. Let me repeat that. If he can turn the water into wine, God can do the same thing in your life today. He can turn your tears into something beautiful. He can take the ashes of your life and make something beautiful. I am prophesying to your life today. He is about to do something new. He is about to take your ashes. He is about to take your ashes and make something beautiful out of it. Yes. I'm excited today. I preach Jesus. So I'm excited. I'm excited because he is here. I can see him moving in this place. I can see him walking in this place. My Lord is here. Jesus is here. He is about to do something new. Yes. He is here. Come on, church. He is here right now at the painful situation, at the same prayer room where you have cried, at the same church you have cried. You are going to testify him. The same Jerusalem where Peter denied Jesus. Now on the Pentecost day, he stood up to preach the gospel. I am here to prophesy over your life. The same place where you have cried, you will stand up. You will stand up. Get ready, church. Greater testimonies are about to come. The best is yet to come. How many of you will say, that's for my life? That's about me. The best is about to come. There is Jerusalem in your life. There are breaking points in your life. But I preach about a Jesus who turns the breaking points into breakthrough points. I speak about a Jesus who will clothe you with power at the same place you were naked. <laughs> Do you know something about the life of Joseph? When I studied the life of Joseph, I found very interesting that twice, twice his brother and Potiphar's wife, they took off his clothes, right? Have you learned that? Twice. But on the other side, twice God clothed Joseph 
with beautiful garments. Oh, you didn't get it. <laughs> Twice he became naked for no reason. They took off his clothes. They said, no, 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 you are not going to become that. You, you know, we are going to kill your destiny. We, are, we, are, we don't want that dream to be fulfilled in your life. They did something painful to Joseph. But do you know, the pit was the beginning of his promise. Oh my God. The pit was the beginning of his promise. The pit that you are in right now. The broken situation that you are in right now. That is the testimony. That's, that's the sign that something great is about to happen in your life. The pit that you are in right now, the pain that you are in right now, the sickness that you are going through right now, the doctors will tell you it's not going to be cured. But I preach about a Jesus who's a wonder-working God. His blood still works for us. Oh my God, you didn't get it. His blood still works for us. His name is Jesus. He said, wait. There, Jerusalem. Wait at the place where you were humiliated. Wait at the place where you have ran away from the Lord. Right? We have that testimony. I do have that testimony. There were moments where I have ran away from the Lord. I didn't have courage to speak about Jesus. But right now, He changed my life. He is here to change your life. Your life your life. Let me just wrap up my message. What did they do while they were waiting? This is very important. They waited. They waited in Jerusalem. But then there is something more that is written in the word that says they waited in Jerusalem. What did they do? Acts chapter 1 verses 12 and 14. 1 to 14 when you read in verse 14 it says they all joined together constantly in prayer let me read that again they all join together constantly in prayer when you go through the season of waiting don't just complain start praying start praying start believing amen you don't have to do something out of your flesh just wait upon the Lord and start praying they were not just spending their time. They were not just wasting their time. They were spending their time of waiting in God's presence. They were praying. Let me share an amazing testimony. A couple of years ago, I, heard, I got a phone call. We used to do television, uh, TV ministry in India. And I got a phone call from a woman. She said, Pastor, I'm going through a problem. My husband has been in a person in a Middle East country for more than four years. We have tried everything. We tried all our ways to bring him out of that prison. And nothing is working out. And we have tried to influence the government, even the government, Indian government even dealt with the issue, but nothing is working. I want a word from the Lord. And we prayed. And the Lord spoke to me. Call all your family members, your, uh, and the Lord specifically said, do you have three children? She said, yes. The Lord said, call your children, come together for three days, just spend in God's presence. You can do whatever you want, but just pray together. Just have fellowship, have food, no problem. But when you pray, come together, pray together, hold your hands together. 
that's what the Lord says. She said, is that the only way? I'm like, that's the only way that the Lord is speaking to me. She said, man, that's very simple. I'm like, yes, that's very simple. But you need to do it. You know what? She didn't believe me at first, but somehow she wanted her husband to come out of the prison. So she called all her three sons and daughters, and they all came together. For three days, they prayed. Not the whole time, just 10 minutes prayer. They prayed together, hold their hands together. And the third day afternoon, she called me and she said, Pastor, we prayed for three days. Three times a day. That means almost, you know, I'm, I'm very bad in maths. I think it's nine. So almost nine times we prayed together. But nothing is working out. And I heard a voice from the Lord. The Lord said, the third day is not over. Wait. You know what happened? On the same day, on that third day, in the evening, like in India, she got a phone call. And the, on the other side, it was her husband calling her. Amen. You know what? And that evening, her husband is telling, you know what? I'm coming tomorrow. This government has released me today, and they have given me an opportunity to fly back tomorrow, and I'll be there in Cochin tomorrow morning. She's like, oh my God. Can I tell you something? There is power in prayer. There is power in unity. When impossible comes into your life, don't run to someone else. Come to your prayer room. Come to the throne room. Enter into his place with thanksgiving and prayer because in his presence, there is a solution for your problem. How many of you will take a decision today? Is your marriage going through a difficult time? Are you going through some personal moments where you find everything is difficult? Do you feel like your children are not in the right way? Just pray over them. Stop complaining. Start praying. Church, let me repeat that. Stop complaining and start praying. Because prayer works. Prayer works. Prayer makes the impossible possible. This is what happened. They prayed together. I love this. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Do you know what happened? They were praying in that room. Until then, it was a waiting room. Okay? Until then, it was a waiting room. So in that waiting room, they began to pray. They began to minister to each, each other. Do you know before... Uh, the move of the Holy Spirit there was always insecurity bet be between the disciples they always wanted to present themselves before others but now on the time of waiting they all joined together and they prayed Acts chapter 2 verses 1 it says like this and when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house with where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Let me tell you, when you pray together, the heavens are open. When you pray together, the promises are released. Today, I'm here to tell you, Pray until something happens. Wait until something happens. Can you stand on your feet right now?
God is speaking to you. Are you going through that season of breaking? Season of brokenness? Are you going through that season of darkness? Are you going through that season of shame and pain? God is here to tell you something. I have a promise for you. I have a promise for you. I have a promise for you. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. This is the word for you today. I'm going to do a new thing. Something the world has never seen before. Something the world has never witnessed before. On that Pentecost day, something happened. Why? They waited for that. Let's wait for God's promises to be released in our life. Let's pray together. If there is anybody here who haven't received the Lord into your life, this is your opportunity. I'm going to pray for you. Can you all close your eyes? If you have never received the Lord into your life, this is the opportunity for you. Can you raise your hands? I'm going to pray for you. The Lord is here to change your life. Yes, the Lord is here to transform your life. The Lord is here to bring a breakthrough into your life. Come on, church. Can we pray together? Hallelujah. Can you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, I invite you into my life. Jesus, come over me. Take over my life. I give myself to you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. There is a purpose in your waiting. There is a promise that is going to come on your season of waiting. So let's celebrate the season of waiting tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I have the, wish, uh, the prayer team to the front? You know, this, this whole week while I was praying, I don't know how it makes a sense, but I, I got a word, a, a name called Anthony. Maybe you are watching through online, or maybe you are here, but God gave me a name, Anthony. And the Lord is speaking to you today that God is about to do something new in your life. I see you are almost going deep into the waters, but I see a hand coming to rescue you, to pull you out of the deep waters. And God is about to do something great. Amen. Felt the Lord speaking to me. There are parents in this house who are praying for their children. There are parents in this house who are praying for the restoration of your children. God is about to do something. If you have a prayer request, come forward. We are going to pray for you. As the worship team is going to worship here, come forward. Come forward. Share your prayers because God is here to do something new into your life. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myariseChurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time.